Greetings, Calvary greetings, School of Wisdom, SOW. My name is Wahime Jiri Ethosa, and I have been given the privilege of doing a short teaching on identity. And I'm so grateful to the leaders at School of Wisdom for this opportunity. I pray that as we speak on identity in light of all that Jesus has done for us, I pray that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened, that we may know the hope to which we have been called and the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. I pray that as I open my mouth, words be given me to declare the gospel of Christ fearlessly and boldly. I pray for insight in the name of Jesus. I pray for light to permeate the heart of all those who are at the sound of my voice. I declare that the anointing of God soaks you and envelopes you right now. In the name of Jesus, I declare that you are overshadowed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I pray that you are more in touch with the consciousness of yourself as the temple of God by which he dwells. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I believe that there will be healing, we'll be healed of ignorance, we'll be blessed, we'll be strengthened, we'll be encouraged and you know lifted in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so identity. <clears throat> I like to define um, any concept or topic that I am going to be taking. I just like people to know the basic, you know, idea of what each topic means, each thing, whatever it is. So identity, um, my first go-to dictionary is Merriam-Webster, not Longman. <laughs> you know that Longman dictionary that they shared for us in our secondary schools in Nigeria? Well, it's too heavy. Anyway, so identity defined by Merriam-Webster is the distinguishing character or personality of an individual. The key word there is distinguishing character, distinguishing. It is distinct, it is unique to you, all right? There's another definition that says sameness, sameness in all that constitutes the objective reality of a thing. Hmm, this one's really so much grammar. <laughs> but then there's another one that says the condition of being the same with something described or asserted that one really works well with me because I'm going to be describing or juxtaposing you side by side with Jesus Christ. And so when you look at Jesus, you look at yourself. You look at Jesus, you look at yourself. You look at Jesus, you look at yourself. The more you are in touch with your identity, it's like looking at a mirror. You cannot see another person, you only see yourself. The fourth definition of identity is the state of being exactly alike. Oh my gosh exactly alike the state of being exactly alike um i want to remind us at this point that if i'm talking about identity i am talking about identity in the light of all that christ has done for us and no other person christ is the author and finisher of our faith he's the one that we're looking to right we fix all our gaze on him we fix our thoughts on him right and so he's the one that we are going to be you know describing right 
Alright, so the state of being exactly alike. You know, that fourth definition, the state of being alike, just brings me to Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says that the sun, now not S-U-N, but S-O-N, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. Hallelujah. The sun is, I'm sorry, I'm a little cold, just pardon me. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. Wow. He now says the sun is the exact, the exact representation of God. Wow. He now says that after he finished purifying sins, after the purification of our sins, he went and sat down at the right hand of majesty. The part that I want to take out is the sun is the exact representation of God. You know when um, people come visiting or they see you for the first time and you're, you happen to stand beside your parents you know, or your siblings and be like, ah, you're a carbon copy of your mommy, oh, ah, ah, did she vomit you? You know people say that kind of thing in Nigeria, right? They say, ah, ah, wow, is your mom running away? Is your daddy running away? You look so much alike. Let's just spark this one out. Mm. That's what we're going to so the Bible says that the sun is the exact representation of God. So that means that if I'm looking for God and I see Christ first, I've seen God, right? Yeah, that's what it means. Then another thing is there's the concept of the Trinity. So we have three people who look exactly like each other, who behave like each other, who have the same nature, right? It's just that we have Slightly different from slightly, slightly, or slightly different in your offices or capacities, but it's the same power that is inherent in all of them, right? What am I trying to establish here? <coughs> identity, identity. You know, in Lion King, when um, is it Simba now? I think it's Simba, right? The hair apparent to be true. He was by the riverside one night, I can't remember, it was night, and then he looked at his reflection in the water, and then it was like he could see his father, you know, right? That, so that means that if Jesus goes by water right now, and he looks in, if he's going to see a reflection, he's going to see the reflection of God, wow. Okay, so now I'm talking about Jesus, God, Jesus, God, Jesus, God, reflection, water, this and that. How do you come in, right? <clears throat> this is how you come in. You know, when you talk about branding, can you remember slave trade? If, you, if you're a lover of history like I am, you would remember that our black brothers in America and all that, when they were slaves before the emancipation, their slave masters would actually put hot iron on their skin to brand them. And so this hot iron would contain their initials. And so for example, if I'm a master, and my initials are PO, I would imprint PO on the iron, right? I would imprint PO on the iron, and then I would print it on... So, PO would be branded on the skin of that slave branded on the skin of a slave. Wow, so painful. But then it was just for identification purposes. You know, they thought that the black man, you know, we all looked like each other. 
and so just to differentiate or as a seal of ownership they would put their initials on the slave skin that's what jesus did for us that's what god the father did for us you know how i know it says in Ephesians 1 that he put his seal of ownership in us, the promised Holy Spirit. The promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now, back to slave trade. So when the master put his initials on the slave's skin, you know, there's this kind of ego boost. Wow, that is my slave. Like, I own this slave. My initials are on this slave. And so if this slave gets missing per adventure or something happens, well, that slave is mine and you report back to me. Do you understand? Now, Ephesians 1 says this. And you also, Ephesians 1.13 and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance unto the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And so if you're still doubting that, uh, you are in Christ Jesus. You, you feel like you're not in Christ Jesus. You feel like the things that happen to other believers, it doesn't happen to you. There's really no spiritual awakening in your life. You've never encountered Christ. You've not seen white light in your room. Neither has Angel Gabriel appeared in your kitchen to tell you that you're going to bring something to this world. Well, <laughs> don't be bothered. You know why? Romans 8 says everything you need to know. You know, when I, I read Romans 8 over and over again, and I didn't realize that I didn't see the test to know if, you know, you have Jesus with you. I didn't know. But I saw it one day when I was meditating, and that's another good thing about meditating. Meditation helps you. It helps that scripture to just come, become light in your, in your spirit. There's a boom, and you're like, wow, I never saw this before. So Romans 8 chapter, no, Romans chapter 8 rather, verse 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you, and then you're like, ah, how will I know that the spirit of God lives in me? Well, look at this. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Wow. It's just, a, it's, it's a big test. It now says, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Let's go down again. It says um, in 15 now, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You know, they asked Pastor Benny Hinn, who wrote Good Morning Holy Spirit, how do you know that the Holy Spirit actually talks to you? How do you know? Like, how do you know you are even saved? He said, I just know that I know, that I know, that I know, that I know that I'm saved. Like, I just know. I know. I just know that I know that I know that the Holy Spirit is in me. I just know. So that was what God did. So in Christ Jesus now, if they are looking for you, if you are Bolu Nicole, if you are Obina, if you are um, what's name now Hassan, and they are looking for you in Christ, there is literally a mark, a mark 
there's a mark of you in Christ. Do you understand? There's a mark of a distinct mark of you in Christ that shows that wow, he owns you. Okay, so let's move on. I'd like us to go back to the beginning because if we're going to establish anything here, we have to go to the beginning. If you're looking to who you are in Christ, who am I in this world? Am I even different? Anything special about me? Yes, there's a lot that is special about you. And if you go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, you will realize that you are not an ordinary person at all. Alright, so Genesis chapter 1, 26. I want to quote the um, original thing for my Bible. So I'm also, you know, scanning through the pages. Alright, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. If you want to know who you are, you need to know who made you. You need to know why he made you. That will give you a perfect picture of who you really are. And so, who are you made like? You were made like God. You were made in his image and after his likeness. So what happened? When God gave the law to Moses and his people were supposed to follow 10 commandments, some ordinances, and give peace offerings, sin offerings, there's a priest that goes to the temple, he sacrifices for you, he pleads to God on your behalf, and all that. That was the way it happened under the law, right? But under grace, things are different. It's a new dispensation. Under the law... The ministry under the law was the one that brought men to death, was the one that condemned men. But the ministry under the new covenant is the one that brings righteousness. It has a surpassing glory to the ministry under the law, which was even fading. It is the ministry of the Spirit, right? And so even then, under the old covenant, those who stared steadily at the face of Moses when Moses' face was reflecting the glory of the Lord, well, they, their minds were made dull. They could not understand anything. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you understand what I'm saying. They really couldn't make sense of the glory of God. They couldn't. And when the old covenant was read, even till today, their minds are still made dull. You know why? Because there's a veil. A veil covers their heart. And the Bible says that nothing can take this veil away except the Lord Jesus Christ. It now says that if anyone turns their heart to Jesus, they have the veil taken away. Right? We're getting somewhere. It now says, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It now says, We, with unveiled faces. I hope you can see that there's a juxtaposition of the old covenant and the new covenant. It now says, We. The way we're being referred to are the beneficiaries of the new covenant, you and I. We're still talking about identity and we're getting somewhere. It says, we with unveiled faces now behold the Lord's glory and we are transformed, right, into his likeness with ever increasing glory from the Lord who is the spirit. So watch this. You're looking at something. You're looking at something. 
you're looking at something you're staring steadily at something but this thing is a different thing it's a better thing it's a better covenant it's a better blood right it's the new covenant kind of thing you're looking at it you're looking at it you're looking at jesus you're beholding his glory as you behold something you become you become that thing you begin to reflect that thing you're beholding you begin to reflect that thing that you're beholding as you reflect as you're, as you're looking at christ as you're beholding his glory you're getting transformed your mind is healing everything is being renewed you are being healed of ignorance, healed of sickness, healed of disappointments, healed of throwing pity parties, healed of addiction, healed of sin, healed of low self-esteem, healed of any bad thing, you know, that slows you down, that is a clog in the wheel of success in your life. You're just healed of it. Why? Because you're beholding the glory of God. And you're being transformed into ever-increasing glory, my God. So this glory is not even static. This glory is dynamic. It's dynamic. As you continue to behold, it becomes better. You behold, it becomes better. You behold, it becomes better. And now it says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So as you begin to behold the glory of God, you begin to have a sharper knowledge of who you are. You now know that you're a glorious person. You now know that you're transformed into ever-increasing glory. You now know that, wow, you see, my competence does not come from myself. It is not, it's not something that I can claim by myself. No. The confidence I have is the confidence in Christ before God. Wow. You now understand that, okay, God has made me a competent minister of the new covenant. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's when we can now connect to Peter. Where Peter says that I'm a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, called forth to declare the praises of the one who brought us from darkness into great light. Then he now says, before you were not a people, you were not God's people, but now you are his people. I'm like, oh, wow. You know, that, that sense of belonging is very important. Ah, so I belong to God's household. Amazing. You now see Ephesians 2 towards the end where he says that Christ came to preach peace to those who were far away and to those who were near. You now realize that I am a member of God's household, a member of this big family built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone, you pause. Okay, this is getting real. You hear again that. So you hear again that in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Boom. You realize that, okay, I'm holy. Wow. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you see, it's not possible to understand who you are if you don't understand what Christ did for you on the cross. What Christ did for you on the cross was the doctrine of substitution. That's what he came to fulfill. He came to replace you. And so you do not have to suffer again in this life. You don't have to suffer sin. You don't have to suffer sickness. He came to prove that a man in the flesh, heavily assisted by the Spirit of God, can actually live a victorious life on earth. He came to defeat the devil and defeat death. He gave death its final blow. And so death doesn't have a victory today. 
death doesn't have a sting today a believer can walk on this earth and live a victorious life free of sickness and sin wow oh, just wow so when you go to philippians right philippians 3 chapter 2 philippians 3 chapter 2 you see paul start to open up on who we are he says watch out for those dogs those men who do evil those mutilators of the flesh for it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. And so you start to think, I'm a different person. I'm a different breed. I worship God by the Spirit. I don't just worship Him because of my emotions or how I feel. It's not about feelings. I worship Him by the Spirit. I glory in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus must now be exalted in my body and when christ jesus is not only your savior but your lord that means two things it means that he has saved you and he continues to regulate you he continues to define your choices christ is the reason why you say the things you say christ is the reason why you dress the way you dress christ is even the reason why you eat the way you eat i'm telling you christ is the reason why you do everything you do Christ is the reason why you wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm going to live today for Christ. I'm going to declare the scriptures. I'm going to say confessions of faith and let the universe hear me. I want to be aligned with everything that Christ is doing right now. I want to be aligned with everything that God is doing right now. And if I'm sent to Africa and I'm going to be an agent of change, I'm not going to be an agent of change because the world is clamoring for it or because CNN is looking for superheroes. No, I'm going to be an agent of change because that's who I am. Because God makes his own appeal to the world through me. I am an ambassador for Christ. I must represent. I cannot fall his hand. I can't. And so when Ephesians is saying um, through Paul that do not involve yourself in unwholesome talk, coerce joking, foolish talk, you know, obscene things, vulgar words. Don't do those things. Don't talk like that. Why? Because these things are not of people that are of God. People that do these things cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Paul says it all the time. If you read Paul's epistles, he takes time out to list the obvious, you know, signs of um, a sinful spirit. He does that, the sinful nature rather. He will juxtapose the fruits of the sinful nature and the fruits of the spirit. And so Paul will say that in Galatians 5, he will say, See guys, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So stand firm and do not let yourselves be unburdened by the yoke of slavery. He will now say this. He will say, look, the, the, the signs of the sinful nature, they are obvious. Sexual immorality debauchery, corruption, dissension, faction, hatred, envy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. He will now say, and I've warned all of you not to live in this way. Anyone who lives in this way cannot inherit the kingdom of God. As in categorically, they cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And Paul is not the type that just talks about the problem. No, the Spirit of God through him will talk about the problem, address the whole issue, and then back it up with the solution. He will now even tell you that this is why you should do these things, because of doctrine, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. And so he says, the fruits of the Spirit are love, right? Joy, peace, patience. Sometimes you can see patience as forbearance, 
patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He now says, against such things there are no laws. He doesn't end there. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with all its desires and passions. Ah, ragadosh, imposent, This sinful nature thing, it covers everything. It's a big umbrella covering a lot of things. Lies, sexual immorality, and all those signs of the sinful nature that Paul listed above. This thing covers everything. So we all belong to Christ. We were included in Christ when we heard the gospel of truth. When we heard the word of truth, which is the gospel of our salvation. That is when your freedom came. That moment when you believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you confessed with your mouth. That was when you were included. Sharp, sharp. And then when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, that deposit is in you. It guarantees you that you have hope in the afterlife. You know, Jesus did not promise us a life, you know, devoid of trouble. But he said, I'll leave you my peace. And peace is a promise he keeps. And so when in Philippians, Paul, Paul says, do not be anxious for anything. In fact, he first starts like this, he says, rejoice. Rejoice again, I say, rejoice in the Lord. Ah. In Philippians 3, he said like this, he said, finally, my brothers, again, I say rejoice, rejoice. And it doesn't cause me trouble to say this thing to you again and again. It's for your safeguard. I'm like, wow, how can Paul be saying this? Because in Corinthians, he just finished saying that we were imprisoned, we were beaten, we were harassed, we were threatened, we were insulted, we slept in hunger, we were working so hard. This is the same person I say rejoice again. He now says, look, I know how to live in plenty. I know how to live in, in, in little. But I'm strengthened in everything through Christ Jesus. And God supplies all my needs. But he says rejoice. Again, I say rejoice in the Lord. He now says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Identity, right? Because this is how you behave now based on what Christ has done for you. He now says, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious in anything. Ah, ah. And I'm like, okay, if I'm not anxious in anything, then, then there must be something I'm doing in everything. He now says, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, sprinkled and laced with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. This, this really, it just... It just really blew me off when I read this thing. You know why? I started to imagine, okay, so I should not be anxious, but in everything I should actually pray to God and present my supplication in thanksgiving, right? Then God will not give me peace. How does he give me this peace? It says that the peace of God will now guard my heart in Christ Jesus and my mind. You know, when something guards a thing, you just... Think about the medieval times, those Roman soldiers, the strong ones, or even the Spartans with all their shields and everything. Think about them surrounding their king and protecting him. You know how they shield themselves and, and do a formation? It's so beautiful. It's so strong. That is how the peace of God literally guards our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. There's a formation. There's a, there's a shield. They're just unbothered. They're just not stressed. It's not that life is not stressful, though. It's not that there are no hardships or tribulations or trials. But peace just rules your heart. You know, you know what rulership is? As in rules your heart. A peace di dictates to you how you must feel. Peace is now your new ordinance. Peace relates to your identity. 
it relates to your identity. So, uh, you know, we can't fully, you know, uh, go around the topic of identity in 30 minutes. But I'll recommend some books for you. There's Search for Significance by Robert McGee. There's Good Morning Holy Spirit by Apostle Benny Hinn. Or rather, Pastor Benny Hinn. And there's Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer. These books help you to establish your identity. But the foremost thing is that they point you to the word of God, which is the real content for identity. And I told you, we've been saying this over and over again, that the spirit of God is now in you as a deposit. The Holy Spirit is the number one person that will help you establish your identity in Christ Jesus. He will point you back to Christ because the Bible says that he will remind you of all that Jesus has said. He is the spirit of truth. I like how Corinthians put it. It says that the spirit searches all things. The spirit knows all things, even the deep things of God. In that depth of God is your identity. In that depth of God is everything, is all your coordinates, your logistics, your dynamics, your setting up, everything. And the Holy Spirit is there to reveal it to you. And so if you're at a stage in your life where you really need to know more about yourself and your identity in Christ, we all do anyway, and we never really graduate from the school of the Spirit. We never really reach a place in our lives where we say, okay, right, I'm, I, am, I am fully grounded. No, there's always more. There's always more. Of course, there are stages of maturity and all that, but there's always more. And so right now, I commit us to God right now. I submit our hearts to God right now, and I declare that peace rules our heart. Peace rules our heart and guides our heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Every single day, we are a step ahead. We are a step forward in coming to terms with our identity, in fully embracing who we are. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are the real circumcision. We are the ones who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. We are the ones who worship God in the spirit. We are royalty. We are royalty. We have a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth and value in the spirit sight of God. Holy Spirit, everyone that listens to this message and that the sound of my voice, help them, Father, to be fully established and grounded in who they are in Christ Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you for lavishing them with your love. Thank you, God, for lavishing us with your love. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Our eyes are enlightened to see and know who we truly are. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus. For in Jesus' precious and mighty name we've prayed. Amen. I celebrate you so much because I know that God is doing something wonderful in your life and that he will do a quick work and cut it short in righteousness. Thank you, School of Wisdom. It's been a, a lovely time with you. God bless you. Bye.